If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I am so thankful to be here. Many of you guys know that the last few weeks, actually the last month, has been so heavy and hard. My kids and I were involved in a criminal case where we all had to testify, and it was probably one of the hardest things I, as a mom, have ever done, and I can probably say one of the hardest things I've watched my kids do. All of you who were sending prayers and encouraging words throughout the last few weeks, you guys, I can't even put into words how much that meant to me. I have felt so loved through this season and through this whole yucky chapter, and it's because in part of you guys, you guys were there breathing words of encouragement, sending me little notes saying, hey, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you. I cannot thank you enough. I want you all to know that all of your prayers, all of your words were so deeply felt, not only by me, but by my home, by my kids, by my family. And we made it through. The unfortunate part is that we did not get the outcome that we were hoping for. And in my opinion, justice was not served. However, these kids, not only my kids, but the other kids involved in this case were truth-telling warriors. And I, as a woman, have never been more proud of all of these little voices from ages 6 to 13 speaking their truth, speaking their story in an environment that was intimidating and scary. They did it. And I was so very proud to be the mom of some of these and then to know the other kids. It was just gut-wrenching, but I was so proud that these voices were heard. So that's a win. These girls were brave. Their voices were heard. We don't always get the outcome we want when we speak our truth, but the important thing is that we keep speaking it. So thank you again to all of you who loved us and supported us over the last few weeks. We are so deeply thankful. I also have to say, I know every week I say thank you to my patrons, and I usually highlight a certain patron, but this week I'm changing it up because it has been such a monumental past few weeks for me. I'm going to thank every single patron, and I'm going to start just reading down the list. So if it's if you support this show, you're going to hear your name. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Marisa. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Roy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Val. You guys are the breath behind this work. I love and appreciate you guys so much. And I wanted you all to know, especially on the back end of this past week, how important your support to this work is, how important you are to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you guys so very much. This week's episode, I'm talking about the conversion of Saul to Paul. And this is something that has just been resonating in me lately, and it's something that I just want to dig into, and I want to just break down this idea of conversion from religion 
to love. So without any further ado, here we go. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're diving into this topic of conversion. If you've grown up in church at all or visited specifically an evangelical church, you're going to hear this message of conversion, this message of being saved and changed from the old life to the new life. This is something that has been taught throughout a lot of recent Western Christianity, and it's something that I grew up with, something that has been so familiar to me and to the journey I've been on in my faith. I want to dive into this idea of conversion and where most of this idea springs from. Many of you are familiar with the story of Saul, right? And he gets blinded and he has this crazy conversion experience. I, I'll be honest, I've struggled as of late years, as you all know, if I, as I've gone down this deconstructing thing of breaking apart what I really believe, breaking apart what my faith really is made up of. And this conversion thing has always been a bit tricky for me. When I was inside the church and even doing ministry inside the church, I never really resonated with the conversion thing. I felt like it basically meant that you are signing a dotted line of stated beliefs and you're now in the club. You're now in the group. And if you don't agree with all of those stated beliefs, you're clearly not converted. You're clearly not saved. And that never quite sat right with me. So I danced around that a lot. You, If you would have been in my church, any church I attended, you would probably not hear me talk about that. You wouldn't hear me lead anyone through this conversion process at all. It just didn't match the experience that I personally had had. However, I do think there is something powerful when you allow the divine presence of love, the divine movement of spirit and God to change you. That's what we're talking about today because I think that is the essence of conversion. And I think for so very long as a church, we've messed this up. So I want to start with the story of Saul, as many of you know him now as Paul. And this is found in Acts chapter 9. This is the New Living Translation, which I kind of get picky about which translations I like these days. And this starts in chapter 9. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I'm going to pause there in this crazy story. And many of you may know the background of Saul, which is that Saul was this murderous guy who was attacking the followers of Jesus. He was against the movement 
of Christ. He was against what Jesus embodied. When you think about that context, what was it that Jesus embodied? What was it that Jesus's life was speaking to? Jesus was speaking to the outsider. Jesus was speaking against lines that said who was in and who was out. Jesus was speaking against myths about what God would or wouldn't be like. He was speaking against every doctrine practically that that had been built up to that idea of the son of God coming to reign as a king with with power and force and Jesus didn't do that. He came humbly as a servant. People don't like the idea of humble servant action as a leader. So Saul was against all of this and to the point where he was known for murdering men and women in the name of what he believed, in the name of his version of religion, his version of what was right. When I think about this story, I get the feeling that this is more than a lost soul being found. This is more than God saying, I'm going to take the most wicked one of you all and turn them into a warrior for Jesus. I don't see that in this story. What speaks to me in this story is the idea of someone being so convinced that they are right in who they are removing from their group. Someone being so convinced that a certain group of people need to be wiped out. A certain group of people need to not have a voice. They need to be stopped. A certain group of people are in the way of the agenda. Saul had an agenda, and this Jesus movement was not going with the flow. What's crazy about this story is that after he's blinded by this light, this voice says to him, Why are you persecuting me? I think that the beauty of this is that had Saul known he was persecuting the Son of God, the divine loving being that I'm sure he believed in, that I'm sure he wanted to somehow connect with, we all have this desire to connect with that force, right? He wouldn't have been doing what he was doing. He had no idea the recourse of his actions. He didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And it's so crazy to me that this voice speaking to him loudly is like, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? I'm Jesus. Hello, the guy you're persecuting. There's this part of me that reads these lines and my heart bleeds a little bit because I can look back at my life and I can clearly see the moments that I've had this kind of encounter where I was so convinced that I knew exactly what the agenda was. I was so convinced that I knew what team I needed to be on. I was so convinced of who God would label as out. And I was going to do my part in that mission. 
And the moment that my heart got caught with the spirit of God that is love and that is kind and that is good and that is safe, I realized the people, the agendas, if you will, the things that I was so believing I needed to be against, the voice of God was like, hey, that's me. Hey, that group over there that you are certain is hellbound, why are you persecuting them? That's me. That person that you don't understand that you think is going to ruin your your church group or your Bible study, that, that person is me. Why are you after me? Why are you persecuting me? You see, love has this way, divine love, I should say, has this way of reminding you of this simple thing that goes like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is so simple. And yet, for centuries, we have made it the most complicated thing ever. The message message of Jesus was so simple and yet so complex that people couldn't get it and people still don't get it. For goodness sakes, I'm still wrapping my head around it. But this picture, this simple illustration of Saul's encounter with divine love had this message wrapped in it of love them as you love yourself. Why are you persecuting them? That's me. That's God. That's love. Why are you doing that? Stop it. Knock it off. Protect them. Speak out for them. The cool thing about his conversion or his encounter, whatever you want to call it, is that afterwards he was changed. He was changed and he went from someone who was persecuting these people to speaking out for these people and loving them and and taking care of them and guiding them and becoming a voice for them. The irony, right? Like how, how much is that God? How much is that the story of God that those who you once we're out against, the person you won't forgive, the people who have injured you, the people who you think vote differently than you, the people who you think are married to people they shouldn't be married to, whatever lump category you want to put them in, God, when he shows up, when divine love shows up, when that presence shows up, it's always going to side with love. It is always going to say, hey, that group you're attacking, why don't you take a dose of humility and speak out for them? How about that? Try that on for size. If you're going to follow me, that's what it requires. If you're going to act like Jesus, that's the kind of stuff Jesus did. In this story, in verse 7, it says, The men around Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Why? What was the point of being blind? I mean, I think we could go into this very pragmatic interpretation of this, that, well, you know, God had to punish him and show him that he needed to be fully reliant on God and not on his eyesight or his natural senses or anything he thought or believed. And and God was humbling him. Maybe. Maybe. To me, that feels a bit um, like a God that I don't like, 
the God that wants to punish, the God that wants to put you in your place. I don't connect with that idea of God. To me, I think it's more symbolic. And, and, And again, the thing that I love about scripture, although I have had a rocky relationship with it at times, is that there are so many different things you can pull from so many stories and everybody tends to pull different things. So just because it speaks this to me doesn't mean it's going to speak that to you. But for me, when I read this and I read that he was blind for three days and he couldn't see, that feels like my journey. And I imagine it feels like a lot of yours. When you had that like eye-opening moment of, hey, guess what? What if God is so loving and inclusive that everybody's in? What if love always does win? What if God isn't going to sit up there and judge and damn every single person that doesn't get it perfectly right? What if his grace is bigger than all of the boundaries that we want to put on ourselves and on other people? When you have that moment, it's catastrophic because you're like, oh my gosh, what if these people or these groups that I've been so against or these beliefs or these political stances I've been so wrapped up in opposing, what if I'm persecuting Jesus? What if I've gotten it wrong? What if I'm on the wrong side? What if there aren't sides? What if I'm just supposed to be love? It knocks you off your absolute platform. It's like you're on a stool and one of the legs gets broken and you are just wobbling back and forth between the two legs trying to find your balance. So many of you in your faith journey through your own personal revelations and your own personal discoveries and adventures down this road we call our faith, our spirituality, you're hitting, you hit those milestones where you have this shocking revelation or this shocking moment and then you feel like you can't see. You feel like once that voice hit, everything went black, everything went dark. There's no absolute, there's no concrete, and it's frightening. You feel lost. Throughout this um, court case that we've been going through, as I've shared briefly with you guys on the show, and I said in the intro of the show that we didn't get the verdict that was just or that we believed we should have had. When that moment happened, The best word I can say is I think every parent in that room felt lost. The lights went out because for us, it was so concrete what just was. It was so concrete what the right ending needed to be. And when that didn't happen, we were all dumbfounded and lost. The lights went black. Whether it's trauma, whether it's an incident in your faith, whether it is a moment where your concrete whatever completely crumbles, we all can understand and relate to the lights going out. It's scary. And you fumble. I think this moment for Saul was like that. I I think it was this moment where everything concrete in his life crumbled into dust And the blindness is just a physical interpretation of that. 
He went blind. His life went dark. Everything that he thought he could hold on to and see lights out. And for three days, he didn't eat or drink. I get that. I totally get that. He was lost. The wonderful part of this story and the hope that comes from this for me is that I don't have it figured out, guys. And I think the secret here is that none of us do. If we could figure out God, if we could know for certain X, Y, and Z of all the things, it probably wouldn't be God. Because I think God's bigger than any of our minds could ever package and label And so as we go through this thing called life, this spiritual journey, this journey of joys and excitement and adventure and hope and love and equally amounts of grief and pain and heartache and struggles and obstacles and potholes that you find yourself 10 feet down, it's this ebb and flow of the divine pulse giving you moments of light and dark, moments when the lights are on and it all makes sense. And the moments when just when you think you got it figured out, it all goes black again. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to climb up again. But the hope in this story that I, that I pull out of it is that when his eyes were opened, everything looked different. The people he was against, he was now for. His mission of murder turned into a a mission of life. His agenda of anger and hate turned into an, an agenda of love and safety. There's so much power in that. That when your concrete crumbles and the lights go out, don't be afraid. Because on the other side, when the lights come back on, you will be transformed by love. If the pulse of of the Spirit of God is connecting with you, don't reject it. You know, I think that's another thing that, that I take as a word of wisdom, as a word of... of um, I don't want to say warning, that doesn't sound right, but but wisdom, I think that's the best word from this is that when that voice calls to you, when it speaks to you, when it's like, hey, buddy, wake up, don't resist it. Change is hard, especially when you're talking about absolutes, especially when you're talking about um, religion, especially when you are talking about concrete beliefs. That voice tugging you outside of those boundaries can be so scary and can feel so frightening and that you just want to shut the whole thing down. But in the story, we see the power of when somebody is quiet and listens. For all we know, the story could have gone so differently. He could have heard that voice Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he could have like flipped the thing off and been like, forget you. I don't care who you are. I'm on a mission to persecute. So if you're the one I'm persecuting, here I come. Like from the personality traits that we get of this guy, that response, I don't think would have 
been that shocking, but there was something about him that connected with that voice that made him pause and go quiet and listen. There's so much power in pausing and being quiet and still and listening to something that even sounds foreign, to something that even goes against what your religion has taught you. This is what happened with Saul. He converted away from religion and he embraced love, divine love. And divine love usually goes against organized religion. Historically, this is true. Politically, this is usually true. God always speaks to those who are crying out from the outside. He always beckons for them and calls for them and longs to raise up other voices for them. This is what we love about divine love. This is what we love about people that we encounter that are like this. Advocates and people who fight and who are strong to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves. This is the story that we all love. This is the story of my faith. My faith is not built on dogmatic beliefs because I'm afraid of dying and burning in in a fiery pit for eternity. I'm not building my life on fear. I am building my life on love because I've connected with a love that not only softens me but opens my eyes to see the people on the outside, that opens my eyes to see my neighbor sitting in front of me and the humanity and the brokenness in their eyes. And I say, I'm with there. I'm right there with you. I see you. I get you. We're in this thing together. We're all on the same side. See, that kind of love messes up organized politics. It messes up organized religion. It messes up organized family units. It messes up everything. And when you think about words that Jesus said, how brother will rise up against brother and and families will become divided. and, And so many people have gotten that interpretation so wrong of how we have to cut people off because they don't believe like we do. It's not about that. It's about you standing up for things that are right and people inside the agenda not understanding why you're doing it. Because when you follow in the footsteps of someone like Jesus, there will be people who it really pisses off because you're messing up the order of things. Saul was one of those people. He was mad and angry at the order system being completely jacked up. And then look what happened. He paused, he listened, and he realized he was fighting for the wrong thing. I don't like the idea of sides. I don't like the idea of taking sides because when I do that, I tend to go backwards in my thinking of who I'm for and who I'm against. And I don't like that. I don't remember seeing Jesus really taking sides unless he was defending someone. When we switch our view from there there are so many sides and we have to be on the right one to there's no sides, we are only agents of love, gosh, things get so much more simple, don't they? So much more simple. But it takes a while for our agenda organized cataloged brain to catch up with that idea. And that is the message of the story of Saul. He was blind for three days and could not see. 
that was a good thing because his order system was disrupted and he could not see. And then when his eyes opened, it was a whole lot more simple. This is the message of the gospel of this man called Jesus that I continue to come back to, that I cannot say that I fully understand, that I cannot say that I have fully figured out or mastered by any sense of the imagination. But what I can say is that I do get the spirit of love that pulses behind this movement because it's pulsed inside of me. And it's what's led me through all of my blackout moments to where I've come out and my eyes were opened and then I could see things differently. My hope and encouragement for you is that you are filled with courage and that you are filled with with knowing that the blackout moments are okay and knowing that you don't have to choose sides, that you don't have to choose an agenda. You just have to follow the voice of love. And that when you follow that voice, everything's going to be so much more simple. I hope this encouraged you. Go in peace. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.